The chiptunes ring. Are you listening? In the NES, pixels are glistening. A beautiful sight we are drinking tonight. Walking in a Nintendo Wonderland. Hello and welcome, everybody, to Drinking Geek OST. This is a show where we drink beer and listen to geeky soundtracks. This episode is featuring the Will You Shut Up Man from Indiana City. I am player one, the Duke, along with player two, Saf. And that song you're listening to is an 8-bit version of Winter Wonderland that um, Dustin added later after we recorded this, so I can't tell you any more information than that. Yeah, it's just basically someone decided that they wanted Deed Martin as 8-bit, <laughs> and so with our cold open, I figured that one was perfect. Uh, so let's just go straight into the beer, I guess. Yeah, I guess. You know, Throwing it all out the window. <laughs> so this is the Will You Shut Up Man from Indiana City. It's a vanilla orange coffee blonde ale. Uh, 6% ABV. The IBUs are a mystery, so we'll have to play the game. I like it. Uh, this was the second version of the beer since uh, the first version sold out. It's a New England IPA. The other one was, and I think it was like a blueberry something or other. I thought I saw tangerine. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yep. Um, I think it had both of those fruits. It was released the Thursday before the second presidential debate and named after the time... Uh, Joe Biden told Donald Trump to shut the fuck up yes. <laughs> during the first debate. <laughs> that was awesome. I, I literally go back to watching that that clip where he's like, will you shut up, yeah. man? <laughs> You're a clown. Yeah, he is. And um, maybe he'll be impeached by the time you're listening to this, or maybe inauguration has already happened. I'm not sure when this is coming out. Uh, soon. <laughs> soon. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, but it is a lovely can. Uh, it has the cap shield on it, so big fan immediately. Yeah, it's got a lot of stars and stripes, and um, uh, it's a little um, dingy looking. The other one was a bit more vibrant, so to, mm-hmm. to distinguish the two, they just like kind of aged the can, like aged it yeah. digitally, I guess. Um, but, I mean... That was a great moment in the debate, so it's just nice to have this. Yeah. So the the let me just paint the picture for you. Uh, the Will You Shut Up Man in the middle is basically the same font as pretty much all their other beers. It's like a, a paint stroke, a downward mm-hmm. paint stroke for every, every single one of those words. And the way that those are sitting in the middle of the can, it kind of looks like you're on the stage of the presidential election. Yeah. Or not election, sorry, the uh, debate. debate. And that's kind of the feel I got from the can. Uh, the border is different from the original can. The original can was orange. This one is like a Blondale coffee-looking uh, yellow gold color. Mm-hmm. And it is pretty dingy, like you said. It seems like they they washed it down yeah. a couple shades or whatever filter they wanted to add on top of it. <laughs> they put the Instagram filter on this one. <laughs> yeah, they, they grabbed it and threw an Instagram filter on it. <laughs> Uh, it says unfiltered, full flavor and aroma, keep refrigerated, uh, serve chilled, all of those things we did do. Yeah. Uh, did you, you bought, did you buy some of this or was it just me? I think we both yeah. got a four pack of it. Yeah. Cause I, I remember having this, I drank all of them <laughs> or I, ca- I brought one with me today. I don't know if that's the same one or if you kept a can. Uh, no, I, ha- I think I still have 
another one in there actually. All right. So if you like it more than I like it, then you can keep it. <laughs> uh, I remember having it. I didn't check it in because obviously we try to keep cans for, uh, the show and we want to make sure that we get, uh, everything, um, on the show as authentic as we can. I like doing live, uh, check-ins rather than going back and be like, oh, yeah. go keep my check-in. Uh, and so I have a bunch of those cans like that. So my number <laughs> would have been higher last year. Yeah, that is true. Uh, if you guys didn't hear, we released our, uh, year and a beer, uh, a couple weeks ago on our main podcast and I destroyed everybody with the number of check-ins. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, check out drink in geek out the other podcast, other main podcast. All right. So the color of this beer is as clear as, uh, a blonde ale, obviously with a little bit of hint of like some kind like of like an orangeyish color from the, the, uh, was it blood orange? Regular orange. Yeah. I was thinking kind of a little bit more hazy because of the vanilla. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely looks like there's food coloring in it. Like, <laughs> you know, you take a glass of water and you throw a food color in there. It's kind of like, I don't want to say milky, but yeah. it, you know, yeah. has some kind of thing in there. Like That's haze, basically light haze to it. Mm hmm. It is a little hazy. And because of that, uh, it's going to be down closer to like the Clyde's Ghost. Uh, but it, it maybe maybe lower like a because I feel like those are little little weird like it's as dark as a seven but as hazy as a five but it's <laughs> yeah. not quite a six like the six is like really bright orange I think I go with uh, I think I go with the Clyde's Ghost in yeah this one. that's kind of where I was leaning or like it was like between a six and a seven for me but seven I think it is a little orangey a little darker than that other one. Right, yeah. I mean, because I, I like the I like the hue of five. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's as bright as six, but I can get behind a, as murky as seven looks. I don't know. It could just be my screen, but yeah, depends on how you have it angled too. But yeah, I'll, let's go with Clyde's ghost on this one. Sounds good to me. I'm predicting a weird nose. Uh, it smelled orange like as soon as I popped to the top. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's very orangey. It's like those orange freeze pops. Yeah. There's also a hint of like something in the background of of it, almost like the flavor of like a chocolate covered orange, but not mm. quite the chocolate oh, yeah. flavor. It's just like something. It's like a maybe like a like a tea bag, an orange black tea bag. Mm. It kind of smells like that a little bit. It's probably the coffee coming through. Yeah, it's probably. I don't really smell vanilla on there. Uh, hopefully, we can taste the vanilla. I just don't really smell it. Yeah, vanilla is difficult when it's competing with those other two flavors right, yeah, or the, smells. Yeah, I'm, I'd be interested to know if they just used orange flavoring or if they used actual yeah, oranges. It it's, uh, smells kind of artificial, but mm-hmm. like a real orange when you peel it, it smells kind of artificial. On the, like it's right. if you get a real fresh pungent one. Right, that's right. When you feel the juices up in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It'd be interesting because I have a, another beer that I gave you that they actually grew their oranges oh, really? at their place. So it'd be interesting kind of compare and contrast that you guys won't get to hear. <laughs> All right, let's taste it and find out. All right, so the the taste is coffee vanilla. I get an orange like initially, and right. then w- what I'm stuck with is like the vanilla coffee uh, aftertaste. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely, because I what I do when I do go to the Dunkin' Donuts, mm-hmm. my my big boy spending coffee money, <laughs> I do get the French vanilla flavoring with my coffee. So that's what I taste right here. About like you said, like the orange and. Uh, in the back end, I can do yeah. 100% or the front, the front facing, the, the oranges are right there, but it kind of falls off a little bit. It does. Like it's cut super hard. <laughs> that coffee, uh, not as strong in the smell, but it definitely comes through in the, in the flavor. 
the bitterness of the coffee. And the vanilla definitely helps cut down the bitterness of the coffee, I'm guessing, because it's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, and and there is that little weird aftertaste that you get when you drink a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that's a that's a plus. I want honestly, I wouldn't put it past them to actually use real coffee beans. Oh, I'm sure they and real they vanilla beans. Say, yeah. But the description was kind of lacking on this one. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like basically what the flavors were. Yeah. They, it's more like they didn't care about this one. <laughs> like this is the stepchild. Like their their pride and joy, their their beauty queen was the the tangerine at Nipa, and this one just kind of fell short. Yeah. That was real boysenberry, blackberry, and raspberry. Oh, wow. So orange can, but it was like red ingredients. Yeah. That would have been a really interesting beer to check in because it would have been just absolutely just red. Mm-hmm. Probably wouldn't have fallen on our scale, our color scale. Yeah, yeah definitely not. Uh, let's pull her up. Look at what we got here. There are 85 check-ins only for this one. And 3.77 average. Yeah, I have one friend check-in, but... That's me. That's you. The first person on here did not like it. They gave it a two and a half, but they didn't comment. Right. When was this check-in? November 13th. Yep, that's when we bought yeah. it. Yeah. Um, a couple pictures looking nice. People are insane. Tastes like seltzer orange. Gave it a one. Okay, bud. I don't believe you. <laughs> Doesn't really. My buddy nailed it. Tastes like a Tootsie Roll. Great stuff. Hey, tootsie I- Roll? Yeah. Oh, the orange Tootsie Roll. Yeah. I was thinking of the chocolate one. I was like, no. <laughs> but it yeah. Does. Yeah, that's 100%. Like, I can see that now. But the fruity Tootsie Rolls, yes. Yeah. Uh, best part of this beer that references DT is that I get to watch it splash in the toilet eventually. LOL. Seriously, I taste the spray tan and the orange <laughs> hair dye. 3.25. Uh, for such a negative comment, he gave it a decent rating. I, I, think mean, the, I think the negative comment was towards uh, the person, not the beer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, watch it splash in the toilet eventually, <laughs> as then he gets to pee it out. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of just felt like he was pouring it out. Like yeah. this was a strange brew. That was my that was my bad. Uh, Kirk V says, "Interesting. I think it would be better with either orange or coffee, but not both." And gave it a three. Uh, this person, uh, Luis, said, uh, "Luke, I agree with your assessment. Not for me." But she didn't rate it, so that's good. I like I like people who have their honest opinion and don't destroy the rating yeah. of the beer. This guy also said thanks, Luke, on his. So I don't know. Luke was sharing them with everybody. <laughs> yeah, I think like Luke said, this is shit. I think Satan would come down and take me straight to hell. Three and a half. Another guy, son of a bee, or son of bee, said drinking a tootsie roll and gave it a four and a half. So the tootsie roll is a common theme, I guess. Uh, Jonathan G at the brewery itself said, will you shut up? I'm trying to sleep. Cat emoji, beer emoji. Well, there's a cat there. So that's probably why they put the cat emoji. Uh, the cat's there for, uh, keeping rodents. Keeping mice. Yeah. yeah. The good little princess though. Uh, vanilla co- orange and coffee blonde. He gave it a 425. So he's a big fan of it. Bill W really liked this. Flavor profile similar to our traditional Christmas coffee. And that's fitting for this episode. And uh, he gave it a four because we're talking about like wintry stuff. Yep. Uh, I can tell you what I checked it in at. Do it. I gave it a four out of five because I really like the unique flavors mashup that they used. Um, I'm a big fan of the chocolate orange beers. And this kind of has that idea with the the coffee in the orange. And my comment on this check-in 
was get the boxes and tape, bring the moving trucks. And that was a reference to Michael Rappaport's rant on Donald Trump after he lost the election. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I checked it in at a 3.75. I finally put in the purchase location. It's really (laughs) nice. Uh, My only comment for this uh, that I wrote down, obviously I'm not taking that comment section seriously, was just at work doing work-related stuff because the photo is the beer surrounded by (laughs) podcasting equipment. Um, This one, I remember drinking it at home. You know, playing games, doing whatever. And it was just kind of, it was odd. It was delicious, odd, but like not something that I want to do all the time. Uh, there's other things that I, you know, just kind of casual drinking beer that I've been more inclined to drink yeah. while I was doing those things. Uh, nothing, you know, I'm not trying to say that that's a negative for this beer. Uh, but the flavor, is, I feel like there's too much going on. Too many flavors in here. Um, if they just made like an orange blonde ale, I think that would have been really good. An orange vanilla blonde ale, that would have been really good. A vanilla coffee blonde ale would have been really good. Just too many variations of this mixed into one beer. I just don't know, Mm -hmm. um, how I feel about it. Uh, it is smooth. It is, you know, smooth to drink, but I'm, I'm pulled in several different uh, directions trying to figure out what this beer is supposed to be. So it's tough. It's tough for me. (laughs) What score did you give it? Uh, three seventy-five. Three seventy-five. That's that's a fair score. That seems to be about the average. Yeah, I mean, I can drink it, and that's uh, you know, it's it's part of one of those rating scales. Is it you know when you're trying to write a paper? Is it readable, legible? Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. This is drinkable. Like I can I can drink this. I can drink an entire four pack of it. Uh, am I inclined to buy a four pack of it? No. Am I inclined to try something new? Absolutely. Yeah. It's. Uh, it does. It tastes like orange vanilla and coffee. So they did nail that part. It's just right. how much do you enjoy those flavors right. mashed up? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that the, and that's why it got so high because they nailed what they were going mm-hmm. for. All right. Let's get to the music. We got to play a game first. Oh yeah. We didn't guess the IBUs. Well, let me look at the chart. I'm going to say it's, in, uh, it's not too high, but maybe in the twenties. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking low end twenties. Like a 22. Yeah, 22 seems about right. I was going to say 21, 22. They're both 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street. So 21.5 Jump Street. Uh, This episode is featuring all uh, like winter-themed level music, like the snowy levels from different Nintendo games. I chose Nintendo because that's kind of the what I grew up on. Um, So the first two songs here are from Earthbound on the Super Nintendo, a game that I did not play. Correct. Uh, Was it from Earthbound or was it from Mother? It's from Earthbound. Okay. Starts talking quietly. Here we go. Sounds like we've had this one on before. Like when we were doing... Like spooky levels. Yeah, it could be. But then we get these jingle bells in it. Right. Uh, the game was composed by Kiichi Suzuki and Hirokazu Tanaka. track is called snowman i don't think i mentioned that i'm not really getting the snowman vibe from it (laughs) just got the bells is all i don't know 
um, what the Mother series is. Is it involved like aliens or yeah, space travel like and stuff? Yeah, like a meteor that hits the the Earth and there. Meteor or spaceship? I don't remember. Like I, I tried playing it, like Earthbound. Yeah, uh, like on a ROM or something. I just didn't really get into it. I like the music. It, I mean, it's not super wintry, but I guess right. um, seems very alien. Yeah, seems very outer space. So it's kind of a combination of the two. Uh, Kiichi uh, Suzuki is a Japanese musician, singer, songwriter, and record producer who co-founded the Moon Riders, a group that became one of Japan's most innovative rock bands. He is known to audience outside of Japan for his musical contributions to the video game's mother, Earthbound, both of which were released on several soundtracks. More recently, he has composed film scores, including The Blind Swordsman, Tokyo Godfathers, Azumaki Chicken Heart, as well as Takeshi Katano's Outrage Trilogy. Fun fact about Tokyo Godfathers, it's actually listed as a Christmas movie. <laughs> Maybe we should listen to that soundtrack. Let's move on to the other song from this game that I chose. It's called Winter's White. Still got the sleigh bell vibe. Mm-hmm. Same composers. Yep. Obviously, probably from the same game. Yep. A little bit about the hero Kazu Tanaka, or Hip, is his nickname. And when he started doing all this stuff, he got the nickname Chip for Chiptune. Uh, but we already discussed this when we had our Dr. Mario episode. Uh, I don't know if it was on I think it was the Drinking Geek yeah. when we had it on there. We mentioned him before. I think he also composed for Pokemon, so I think we mentioned him when we played some spooky music for Pokemon. Right. I think I even mentioned his name when I did the yeah. solo player one. So I, I know we mentioned him several times. But. Uh, so this song has a similar tone to the previous song, but I, this one is a little bit more kind of winterly yeah. like vibes the other one just, like, felt like you're out of space <laughs> like maybe on the sleigh like in outer space mm-hmm. flying around the earth um, but this one seems like you're actually like in an area with snow and you're walking yeah. around this is one I could have on at like a holiday party yeah Let's go to the next track. It's from Donkey Kong Country 3, Dixie Kong's Double Trouble. It's almost like rocking around the Christmas yeah, tree. It really is. <laughs> like a ripoff. It is called Jangle Bells. <laughs> I kept calling it Jungle Bells. <laughs> Makes sense too, I guess. They are in the jungle. It really is. Yeah, like 100% Christmas music. Just in their own little version. Changed enough for it's not copyrighted. <laughs> or violates anything. 
I had like 10 different Donkey Kong themed uh, tracks for this episode, but I was like, ah, I'll just do a whole Donkey Kong music Christmas episode or something. <laughs> uh, so I put those on a different playlist for future. And we already talked about David Wise on the a Donkey Kong episode, the composer. Seems like Evelyn Fisher also helped compose this one. Evelyn is a British video game music composer who composed some of the music for Donkey Kong Country, most of the tracks for Donkey Kong Country 3, and did voice acting and sound effects for a number of rare games. The other uh, Donkey Kong-themed song that I kept on this one was from Diddy Kong Racing, and it's called Walrus Code. I anticipated high pace. <laughs> yeah, it's a racing game. It also sounds like a rip-off of a Christmas song. Right. really sounds like the other one too <laughs> like the way that they did it yeah i wonder what the baseline for rpms are oh for, yeah for uh, what they have to have for like racing music like what's the... get the heart pumping okay. and it's also composed by david wise so it's going to have a similar feel absolutely totally feel myself running around and being pissed by running into like snowman walking across the track yeah but i think it would be fun to have a christmas party and have a playlist that uh kind of sneakily puts these songs in there right. <laughs> like hides video game music in there with all the other uh, common music you hear like walmart I mean, this is a perfect addition because for like a Christmas party that I've hosted before, I usually throw the Darth Vader Yuletide or Yule log mm-hmm. on the big TV, <laughs> screen TV and have it loop for yeah. 10 hours. Like people, people should expect this from me, from you. Yeah. <laughs> they should expect it. All right, let's move on to Banjo-Kazooie 3ZZ Peak. Games composed by Grant Kirkhope, and I believe we mentioned him before, so I don't have any information. I know we talked about Banjo Kazooie once before. Yes. Kind of has like that Danny Elfman vibe. Mm hmm. Totally. And all the songs seem to have the sleigh bells. Right, you have yeah. to to, ha- be a cri- to be a Christmas song. You require sleigh bells in there. It's like, hey, what do we need to do to make this a Christmas song? Uh, sleigh bells. Just add sleigh bells. Don't change anything else. Yeah, just do your song. Add sleigh bells. It's a Christmas song. <laughs> 
I can hear the wind in the background. Kind of like a, oh, a very windy, yeah. snowy, when you're walking through this area. I, I think you're walking. I'd, I've never played banjo. Yeah, city. you walk. You do a little gliding, I think. Mostly walking. It's a, it's a platformer? Mm-hmm. It's like Donkey Kong Country 3D. It's about the same game. Both rare. I never played it either. I mean, I played it at like a Sears, like just the demo. Um, but uh, it does, from the music I've listened to, it, it's got a lot of good things going for it. All right, let's go to uh, the Mario Kart 64. This one should be familiar. Yeah, it's from Frappe Snowland. Doesn't seem as fast as the Diddy Kong one. Mm-mm. Maybe Mario Kart's a less hectic racing game. <laughs> An F Zero style. Yeah, it's more of a laid back feel. Yeah, this one seems like you have like a permanent like Mario star. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it, definitely when it started, I was like, oh, this is just. I think I picked the wrong song. It's also kind of tropical. Mm-hmm. Which I think, yeah, you hear like the the iron or the steel drum in the background, <laughs> kind of. I was thinking those were temple blocks at first. They might still just be yeah. temple blocks. Almost a uh, rainbow road. Yeah, uh, that sound. I still think he has star power. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is composed by Kenta Nagata, but we've talked about them on the Mario Kart episode we did previously. Let's go to the other Mario game, which I also had a bunch of Mario games that I took off this list for <laughs> to do a Mario-themed one. Right. There's so many. But this is from Super Mario Galaxy 2. Uh, Freezy Flake Galaxy. bells to make it more right because it does kind of sounds like you're in venice or yeah something. that's what i was thinking exactly <laughs> you're you're in venice kind of just enjoying a, a bowl of pasta trying to find a gondola ride have a romantic time it's an italian uh, winter song there are many composers. Mahita Yaka, Yoko Yokota, Ryo Nagamatsu, and Koji Kondo. Who yeah, we've had the last two yeah. on many times. Many discussions of Mario Kart and other Mario games. Koji Kondo for sure. <laughs> you can't talk about Nintendo without mentioning his name. It seems like. The other guy, Mojito, is works for Nintendo and most known for his collaboration with Koji Kondo on the Gal- Mario Galaxy and Mario 3D World. 
Alright, let's move on to a couple of Zelda tracks. This first one is the Ice Cavern from Ocarina of Time. This is another one where you get like the wind. Mm -hmm. I like when the, the, the music has the environment. Mm -hmm. It's kind of echoey because you're in a cavern. Mm -hmm. It's like this like, tight mm -hmm. type of like crystalline feeling from the, the sounds. Like ice dripped off of the... It, yeah, it drips and then it kind of echoes yeah. when it hits whatever pool <laughs> underneath it or a puddle or whatever, what have you. Just trying to get through it. And this is kind of why I didn't call it a Christmas episode, because yeah. they're not really all Christmas-themed, but they're definitely winter-themed. Mm-hmm. Koji Kondo was the composer. Mm. And it kind of continues like that. It um, definitely fits the environment, but I don't know how long you want to listen to the same thing. It goes on for 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. It's the <laughs> same sound for 30 minutes. Uh, count me in. Then the other one is from Twilight Princess. A little more orchestral. And it's from the Snow Peak Ruins. Seems very Luigi's Mansion. Mm, yeah, I could see that. Because you hear like the kind of like the bells and then something in the background. You don't really hear the environment as much. And it's That's... kind of tense because it's like a mm -hmm. temple that you're... But a lot of enemies surrounding you. Right. The composers are Toru Minagishi and Asuka... Oh, Ta. Ta now. <laughs> Toru is known for his work, most notably for Legend of Zelda and Splatoon. Then let's go to a game I have not played, the Xenoblade Chronicles. Let me look up the other composer. Uh, I was, I didn't see anything, just that she worked on yeah. <laughs> Nintendo and worked on those games. This is the Snowy Balak Mountain. Yeah, it's very good. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It doesn't really make me think of snow or winter. Yeah. It kind of think, makes me think of like a YouTube thing we can do. Where we just uh, react to video game music that we've never <laughs> heard of before. <laughs> it's kind of what we do. I know. Without putting it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. 
whole bunch of composers on this one. Manami Kyoto, Tomoru Kudo, Hiroyo Chiko, Chiko, Yamanaka, Kenji Hiramatsu, Yoko Shim- Shimamuru, or Shimamura, and Yasanori Mitsuda. A lot of people in this project. I wonder if they're they're just listed as composers for the games. Themselves. Yeah, I'm guessing they all compose different parts of the game or different tracks for the game. But I don't know. I, I really like the orchestral uh, nature of this one. Right. It's very well. It was calm. Yeah. <laughs> kind of picked up. It's nice. The only thing I know about Xenoblade is that there's a character in Smash Brothers that. I use sometimes. Yeah, I think it's kind of an RPG game, so I, that's why I haven't played it. Interesting. All right, so Manimi Kayota is a music composer, arranger, lyricist, and performer. She has been active in Japan music industry since 2002, when she formed the band Yuena. Uh, y U E N A. If anyone is interested, with a friend from university. Hmm. Uh, aside from the Xenoblade original soundtrack, her work, which is most uh, notable in the West, is as a vocalist and lyricist on Final Fantasy soundbook, songbook, uh, Moraba, and the arranger on song uh, Destroyed Skyworld from the Super Smash Bros. soundtrack. Cool. So it seems like the only thing on her... Nintendo, I guess Xenoblade is a Nintendo thing, right? Yep. The only thing that she's credited for, technically from Nintendo, is the Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2. It's uh, developed by Monolith, but uh, published by Nintendo and released for the Switch. And, uh, well, th- this version is a remake of the Wii game. I don't know if they updated the music or not. But that's what this song is from, the uh, Switch version. Uh, let's move on. That went on for a while, but I really like it a lot. It was nice. The next is from Metroid Prime, the Fendrana Drifts. This game's pretty quiet with music. Very atmospheric music, though. Yeah, we had to turn the other one down because it was quiet and then it just like <laughs> yeah. shot up. Like, oh, hey. Now the composers are Kenji Yamamoto and Kuichi Kayama. Yeah, there isn't much on Kenji Yamamoto on anything that I've at least seen, but he's known for. Uh, two things. Well, it's weird because there's multiple things. Mm. Let me pick that one because there's two Kenji Yamamoto's apparently. One is the maker of the the Dragon Ball Z music, and this one, born in '58, and this is a composer of the Metroid music. He's born in '64. Hmm. That's crazy. Same name, but and both composers. Yeah. I think I mentioned him uh, in one of my uh, 
the spinoff series, the the Dukin, because he did the music for Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Okay. And then he has a lot of the Famicom stuff, Super Metroid, mostly Metroid as you go through the years. There's a lot of things. Donkey Kong Country Returns. Super Smash Brothers. I guess the uh, Kayuma is the other guy's assistant, so he works on all the same games. Uh, but this 2021 is the 35th anniversary of Metroid. So we'll probably do a full Metroid episode here. Um, I think it's in August. Yeah. Alongside our full year of Zelda, too. Mm-hmm. Our Link. Yeah. There's a lot more Zelda to pick and choose from, though. Yeah. Again, with the wind and stuff, has the, the atmosphere comes through in the song. Which is weird because isn't Metroid in space? Um, yeah, but she's in a space suit, so she can go outside on different planets. And they'll be like Hoth or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I never played the game, so I always thought it was like a spaceship. You're always on a spaceship. Nope. Yeah, you're. I don't think you're ever on a spaceship. It's a it's a platform game. Oh. Or well, the Metroid Primes are first person shooter games, but they're first person exploring games. They're really fun. Next, we have a Pikmin Two soundtrack or sound from Valley of Repos. Composed by Hajimi. Wakai. Another like alien type game, so it's got weird sound effects in it. He has a very familiar sound. Mm-hmm. Because he did Star Fox. Ah. Uh. Can we get the sleigh bells back for this one? Yeah. I think we have also mentioned his name because he did work with Zelda titles as well. He did various soundtracks for Star Fox, uh, Pikmin, and Zelda. But he started working in the 64 era. So anything like from the 64 on Zocarina or Star Fox 64. Yeah. Uh, This is a weird song to listen to, so... (laughs) Well, Pikmin's a weird game. Yeah. You know, you use your little guys to move different things. Let's go to the Pokemon X and Y Snowbell City. Composers are Shota Kajima, Manaka Adichie, 
Hitomi Sato and Junichi Masuda. And I know I probably mispronounced most of these names. We do. Every <laughs> single time. We had half of these on here, obviously from the Pokemon series. We talked about other... Yeah. From the Pokemon episode that you did. DS game or something? It's really good for being a handheld, I think. Yeah, I think it is. So I was thinking it was strictly the only one for DS, but I think Black and White was also a mm, DS. Yeah, maybe. I don't remember what Pokemon XY was. I think this part right here is the most wintery sounding that that cling 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 all right let's go to animal crossing 3ds 3ds okay. uh, this is the christmas eve town music well they're all town music yeah <laughs> the poser is kazumi ta uh, tatoka Mario, Yoshi type of mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. At least more of like a Yoshi's World sounds. Uh, best known for his various compositions on many Nintendo games, occasionally does voice acting as well, including Yoshi from the Mario series and um, director of development for the Wii Music. Huh. Uh, I can tell. Kind of like the opening menu for the Wii yeah. or the Wii Sports and you know music like that. This is the original Animal Crossing, I think, for the GameCube. Mm. Back to the bells. <laughs> Definitely getting you ready for Santa. I also have a track from Animal Crossing New Horizons, which is, I think, also for the 3DS, maybe. Mm-hmm. It didn't do as well from what I remember from listening to How Did This Get Played. They did an Animal Crossing mm-hmm. episode with uh, Reno, and so they were talking about all the previous versions. Yeah. This is 9 a.m. Snow. So you wake up in the morning and it's just snowed yeah. and you're canceled or at least have a couple hour delay and you're like, oh, I want to go play in it. The vibes I get from this. Uh, it was cool because there's a playlist. For, I, I guess the music changes every hour and depending on the weather, it also changes. So if there's a snowy day, there's a whole 24-hour playlist of Every hour, the different music that we're playing. Right, because Animal Crossing is based on Actual, real time. Yeah. Right? yeah. Hey, you could fudge it by changing the internal clock on the system, but it'll react to whatever the weather is outside or whatever time of day it is when you're playing. Mm-hmm. 
Composers are Yasaoki Iwata, Yama Takaishi, Sonoba Nagata, Sayako Doi, and Masota Oishi, which a lot of the same people we've seen before. Very playful vibe yeah. that I'm getting from this. Simple town music. And New Horizons is like an island, so it had like that you build your town on. So I think it has kind of like the islandy to, uh, type of vibe. It does almost like a ukulele like <laughs> sound, but it kind of like stops and doesn't ring on. Uh, next, we have a song from the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. It's the Ice Climbers. I was gonna play the song from the original Ice Climbers, but it's bad. It's not enjoyable to listen to because it's like six notes just repeated. <laughs> <laughs> Glad so, they spiced it up. Yeah, for us. so I went to the the yeah updated version. Very jazzy. Mm-hmm. Drop me a good little beat and play something saucy on the drums. <laughs> Let's go. It reminds me a lot of different Mario Odyssey mm-hmm. songs. Kind of reminds me of like the Sonic soundtracks too, mm-hmm. where you have like your bass sound, but you jazz it up for a new game or something. So you have like the the basic. Here's what Ice Climber sounds like. Now give me what you think is best. Now here it changes into more. Uh, snowy with the bells and stuff mm-hmm. they're starting to remind me of Wham for a second the last Christmas <laughs> <laughs> Poppy. <laughs> I think it doesn't say the composer. It says arrangement supervisor Shoga Sakai. Yeah, seems like a lot of the Smash Brothers were arrangers, so they yeah. taken like from previous updating different songs. Yeah. Okay, let's go. That's all I have on that. Let's go to Wario World. Wario. The Shivering Mountains. Better be cold. There we go. That's some legit bell shaking right there. <laughs> like the, the crash symbol that they were using there, and they were uh, muting it, grabbing it once it hit it. It may sound like it's shattering like ice or something. Mm-hmm. And the, these are like light harm, light humored, kind of cartoony video games, so you kind of get that feeling. Tuba. <laughs> For the fat Wario that he is. 
composer Norio Hanzawa and Manaka Hamona. Hamana is a Japanese composer working for Nintendo. Her claim to fame was being the composer of Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. She was only 24 during the development of Super Metroid. She originally recorded the voice of Samus during the game over sequence, but it sounded too sexual and was removed. I gotta find this. (laughs) I don't know if you can, because it was removed from the game. Oh, yeah, like it's gone forever. It's the internet. But I don't know if I'll be able to understand it yeah. in Japanese. Really enjoyed this song. Uh, I got another Wario song. It's from Wario Land. Shake it. Hopefully this one has a little bit more of wintry sounds because the other one was kind of like circusy. Yeah, with, with, with some bells. Slipshod Slopes. Composers are... Uh, is it the same as the last one? I know the uh, Hamano. Just, just the one. Alright, so the Tomoya Tamati, or Tamita, and then uh, Minaka Hamano. Uh, so Tamita is a video game composer. He started in Konami in 1988 where he would work on various games, including Castlevania and, uh, is that Geomon or Gomon? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll just go with Gomon. In 2002, he joined Good Feel, along with other former Konami members, where he composed various Nintendo titles, such as Wario Land, Shake It, Kirby's Epic Yarn, and Yoshi's Wally World. Or Wooly World. Wooly, Wooly. Oof. Uh, coming up. This one is, I think, more... Christmassy or wintry. Mm-hmm. It's less goofy. Kind of sounds. I don't want to keep saying Danny Elfman like, but mm-hmm. this reminds me of Edward Scissorhands style music. Probably because lovable bad guy. Let's go on. You said Yoshi's Woolly World. Oh, look at that. This is a light snowfall. Back to almost sounding like Christmas songs. Yep. Like it. We took a little detour in the middle of the playlist, but we're back. We are back. Our composers for this are Tomoya Tamito, Misaka, Misaki Asada, and then Kazumi uh, Totaka, which we had two of those three on here. All we have about the other one is a composer for a good, a good feel for Yoshi's Blue World. Cool. Another song you might want to 
marked down to put on your Christmas playlist. Right. This is like you could probably low key like put this in there. Yeah, nobody would notice it. It was from a Yoshi game. (laughs) And then uh, moving on to the last one. We only had twenty songs this week. Hopefully, that's enough to satisfy you. It's from Kirby's Epic Yarn. I think it's almost the same song. Probably. Same closer. Yeah. It's on my Tamito. Tamita. And Woolly World and Epic Yarn are both like yarn based games. That's different, you know, character, main characters. Yeah. It really does sound similar. If you wouldn't have told me to switch that one, no. <laughs> Probably. It's slightly different arrangement but I think it's the same uh, sheet music <laughs> it definitely sounds like it maybe a little bit different instruments uh, supporting yeah. instruments in the background but the main sound is very similar like there's piano in this one I don't remember piano But you have the, the main strings and the, the drums in the background, which all just sounds like it's tapping on like like a rim or a side of mm-hmm. a, something, or maybe just hat sound. But it, since it's Tomaya Tamita, I guess you can steal from yourself. Right, do your stuff. You can post <laughs> it as long as you make it different enough for a, a similar style game. Similar style game could have a similar style yeah. music. Luigi in the comments for this YouTube video says, Maybe my favorite snow world in any game. Interesting. Luigi says it. <laughs> he's been in, he's got his own snow levels. I know. But that will wrap this up. Let's play out. A little bit. It's pretty good. I need track. Um, do our plugs yeah alright so you can find us on Instagram Twitter Facebook not at Drinking Geek OST no under Drinking Geek Out yes we are the same <laughs> uh, we, as we've said in the I think the very first episode we just didn't feel like it was necessary for us to rebrand new Twitters and all those things for basically the same podcast yeah uh, we're just doing it just a, a little different what we enjoy uh, to make more content out there for you. So we're just the same. We're geeking out on something specific, but yeah. we're still doing the same. Yeah, same uh, style. Yeah. Same everything. So uh, we're still drinking geek out. So you can find us there. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, slash drinking geek out. Uh, you can find our website, drinkinggeekout.com. You can email us at drinkinggeekout.com at gmail.com uh, you can find each and every single one we have our own twitter accounts that are uh, our own that are associated to the specific host but yeah to, for the host you can find those uh, when you go to the you know the drinking geek out twitter I'm not gonna put ourselves on blast <laughs> here you know you can always just find us uh, it's not like we're trying to hide but you know we're we're a team here um, we have a thread list if you want, uh, some designs for the show. We have a couple of the OST designs out there. The one I'm wearing right now, 
uh, which is just the the outline of the headphones and the microphone, which I'm a big fan of. Yep. Uh, I have this as a hoodie, and then we have one of a cassette that we have in the initial logo for. Uh, if you see the podcast and you open up the thing, you see the cassette uh, on a T-shirt, and I have that one as well. And the ghost one. Oh yeah, and the and the ghost one. I did put that up there finally. <laughs> the D ghost. It didn't make it up for Halloween, but <laughs> I know, right? But I, it still it still mattered. I I'm a big fan. I might put that on a mask or something. And there's a ton of other just like beer geek related things that have nothing to do with either podcast. It just right. kind of come combines the two things we're into right. into a fun shirt. Or we have a Patreon.com/slash Drink and Geek Out where we have some bonus stuff, but not a ton. But it's just a way to support us monetarily. Mm-hmm. We gotta look into how to like get it to go like, <laughs> more like I don't know have a, a Patreon exclusive Discord that people can pop in yeah. and give us I don't know we just got to do something we got to figure it out um, but for now we're just creating the content uh, I did have an idea for your trailers that you're reacting to did you want to video record those or do you just want to do the same format um, I was just doing audio for those but I could do video I don't want to force you out of your comfort zone but if you're already doing it that way I was just Trying to think of how we can, you know, make more content. Yeah. Um, trying to make, you know, YouTube, try to take advantage of the YouTube to bring more people to the podcast. Uh, but yeah, if you're listening to the show, uh, you can find us anywhere. Uh, podcasts are to found. Let's say you heard a clip of us somewhere and you're like, oh, I got to figure out where these guys are. Um, but for the main podcast as well, Stitcher, uh, Google, iTunes, you know, all those different places. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I think that's it for the plugs. That's it for this episode. Awesome. Until next time, drink up and geek Geek out. out. (laughs) Yes. Ouch. Geek ghost. Yeah, we don't have a sign out yet, but I don't think we're ever going to get one. It's kind of the meme now.